Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have the great honor of having John Burke with me, who is the CMO of Bacardi and also the president of Bacardi Global Brands. John, hi and welcome to the show. Hi, good to be with you. Absolutely. And from London or Bermuda or whichever wonderful place you're in today, uh, thank you for taking the time because we're about a week away from releasing your podcast on a very special day, which will be February 7th. And it's a big deal. It's all about Back to the Bar. You want to share with us what that will be? Yeah. So Back to the Bar is our opportunity to take the whole company, more or less 7,000 employees of the company, and we shut our distilleries and our offices and we all head out to the bar uh, where we uh, interact with consumers uh, and we understand uh, their view of our brands, our products, what we make, what they think of uh, what we do. Uh, and it's a big uh, kind of ultimate field experience of people learning about, about how consumers are feeling about our brands. Um, and it's a really important part of uh, the, the work we're doing around building a culture which is much more strongly focused around putting the consumer at the heart of everything we do. So, you know, if you're on one of the production lines, you're in one of the offices, if you're working in finance, you get to spend time with real people and hear their experiences and figure out how you can make your job better in service of the consumer. Wow. Okay. So that is very cool. And we are going to try to find you guys somewhere in New York and uh, join in the festivities. But tell me about the festivities. I mean, what actually happens? So we hit a variety of bars, spend time talking to consumers. I'll give you an example of what I did last year. So I was at the London Cocktail Club and I managed to persuade the bartender to let me get the other side of the bar and shake some cocktails. <laughs> uh, I got one reorder 
which I was really pleased about. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and a lot of fun and a lot of listening. So uh, yeah, so it was good. Okay, so that's really great. And so, did you make specialty recipes that go back to the heritage of Bacardi, or is it any drink, or or are there special cocktails that you're serving? I was doing handshaken daiquiri, which is quite a hard cocktail to make. But uh, yeah, which is a which is an original Bacardi cocktail. So I was yeah very happy to do that. Wow. Okay. Usually that, that requires a, a blender or something, right? Oh my gosh. So, okay. I'm, I'm impressed. So what, what is your favorite cocktail to make? We go camping every year with my friends and I'm the kind of the guy who makes the cocktails. So we take a picnic table and we set up and, uh, and I'm there shaking cocktails as the sun goes down. So for me, that's a, that's a great time out. So I make whatever anybody wants to drink. That's the, that's the main thing. <laughs> Okay. Well, you remind me of uh, sort of my uh, professional bartending experience, which was really picking up a book called Mr. Boston and teaching myself how to make stuff. So I could probably fit right in with you guys. Huh? Oh, perfect. Perfect. I'll have to arrange you to come on down and uh, double shift with me. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Uh, that would be so fun. Well, super cool. And then there'll be a whole lot of tweeting, right? There's 7,000 employees in all the bars. I mean, Wow, that's going to be a lot of you guys out there. And it's all around the world, right? It is. And uh, one of the things that we're putting more focus on this year is really encouraging our, our guys to um, Instagram with hashtag back to the bar so that we can, you know, we can hear what they're hearing as they're hearing it in real time. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Okay, so back to the bar. We'll be with you. We'll be celebrating next Thursday. Um, but let's, let's take a step back and uh, let's talk about you. So you are both the CMO of Bacardi and the president of Bacardi Global Brands. Can you share what that means? So we divide our business into three. So we've got a specialist uh, luxury division with Grey Goose and Patron, uh, which uh, Lee uh, runs. Then we've got a, another division which is really focused on our incubation brands, which these are these kind of small startup brands, which is a lovely, very fast-growing business, something I was involved with before this role. And then we have the remainder of our portfolio, which I look after, uh, and we run that from our office here in London and our office in uh, Bermuda, which is why you'll find me either in London or Bermuda if I'm not in the field. Oh, that's a rough space to have an office in. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love London too, but uh, yeah. going to work in Bermuda every day doesn't sound shabby particularly when the weather's bad here in london <laughs> oh yes exactly <laughs> okay so you run that third business that you were talking about as a president but you're also the cmo so you're you're kind of wearing both hats what's that like we've had a, a tremendous year we we did a bit of restructuring and in that process i uh, got to meet every one of my team around the world, understanding where they were and, and how we could build their careers out. We've invested a lot of time and effort in training, so uh, really supporting building marketing capability, which is, for me, one of the most rewarding parts of my role is actually to see people grow. And then having an opportunity to work on these beautiful brands and uh, develop all the, the creative work, which is you know really exciting, something I, I love doing. So... Yeah, so that's that's what I'm focused on is building the people, building building our capability and uh, and building our brands. Great. And when you talk about your brands, some folks may not know what's all in your portfolio. What what is in the Bacardi Global Brand portfolio? Bacardi Rum, a Martini, Martini Vermouth, and sparkling wine, uh, which is 
about the biggest brand in Europe. And then we have Bombay Sapphire, Ducé Cognac, Cazadoras Tequila, William Lawson's uh, Scotch, Dewar's Scotch, Aristotle Vodka. There's a whole raft of brands that we have uh, wow. in, in most categories. So you had mentioned that one of your major initiatives is really growing the marketing organization. Uh, can you share a little bit more around some of the skills that you are really looking to build over the next year or two or five? Yeah, so we spent last year really focusing the organization on consumer-centric planning, and we trained more than 700 people around the world in workshops. So I found myself on the road quite a lot, spending time with people, listening to to how it was going and, and got great reviews. This coming year, we're going to be focusing quite a lot on digital execution. We're going to be focused on doing more with experiential and really upskilling in experiential. And then also working out how we, how we really bring the brands to life for consumers close to their decision to purchase. So they're the three big areas of focus that we have for the year ahead. And a lot of what we do is we build a program uh, for us, by us, and we really rely on subject matter experts in the organization. So the big part of what we're doing is pulling out from the best practice that we already have and then codifying that and sharing it across the organization so that we can define our way, which isn't off the shelf. It's our way of doing our business in, in the most effective way. And then the benefit of doing that way is that we can share real life case studies of people that have been successful in innovating, we can then share that with the rest of the organization. So it really is a celebration of us at our best. That takes quite a bit of effort to do that because everybody's in their current day jobs, right? So do you have like a team of people responsible? We have a small team who are focused because a lot of, there's a lot of logistics involved in this as well in, in, in getting out and, uh, and organizing. So we have a, a small team here in London who focus on that. Uh, but most, all the training is done by us. So my my team and myself do all the training ourselves. It's important that if we're to learn it, we have to speak it. Otherwise, it doesn't go into the muscle and doesn't become how we do business. And it's a much more authentic experience for people because, you know, they can they can challenge me on things that I'm saying and I can listen to their point of view and as a result, learn. So each of the, each of the workshops that we've been running, we always kick it off with, as you hear this, think about what it means to you and help challenge and build it with us. And, and we always get good feedback to strengthen the program as we go around. So it's really good. I mean, for, for me, I guess the part of what I'm doing is building the organization and the capability, but at the same time, building the ability to change. And for me, that's one of the, you know, we're living in a, a very, very fluid environment in terms of marketing communications. And so it's not just about teaching people how to do it. It's about being able to adapt and build that adaptability into, into what we're doing. And so that's a bit of the challenge in this. You know, you're kind of building it at the same time you're, you're kind of challenging it and moving it on as the world moves around us. That was very impactful. And I remember once, well, this is now two or three years ago, I was talking with Jeff Jones, who at the time was the CMO of Target. And uh, he was known for saying, agility is not the same thing as speed and it's important to recognize the difference use them wisely um i'm paraphrasing so that wasn't a direct quote from him but the fact that you know when people are talking about the need for agility and also to do that at a at a rapid pace like how do you how do you think about that how does that translate 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in that, that uh, agility is not the same as speed. Um, uh, and part of what makes us inherently agile as a company is we're, we're a small company with big brands. Um, and so, you know, I can literally meet everybody in our company, uh, you know, and, and, and talk to them and, and hear their experiences. So that structure gives us great advantages in being able to, you know, move quickly, uh, to adapt, to share best practice openly. Um, so we don't have this kind of big corporate machine to move. You know, we, we, ha- we have people who are, who are out innovating and we can capture that innovation and share it. We also benefit from being a, a private company which means that we're not beholden to the quarterly targets of the street or the city, um, which means that in some cases we can take a risk on one brand and really use that as a, an opportunity to learn and then take the learning and apply it to the rest of our brands. So it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a, an exciting business. We, we, we also like to think of our businesses, you know, we kind of have two types of brands. We have the icons, which really pay the bills, and we have these small upstart brands, which are really fantastic fun to work on. And they're the disruptors. So in an age of disruption, we've got brands that disrupt the categories that they're in, as well as brands that can learn from the disruption that those brands are doing uh, and apply it at scale. So it's it's exciting business to work in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember when I was chatting with Lee, the CMO of Patron and Gary Goose, he was talking a lot about disruption and leveraging uh, technology and working with a lot of partners um, to be very nimble to really explore things like AR or VR. In your case, what does the disruption look like? Is that technology disruption? Is it entries into the category disruption? Is it the social impact that's the disruptor? Like, what is the disruption for you? All and any, really, in all and any kinds of disruption. So, you know, technology is a big disruptor. We're both being disrupted and have the opportunity to use it as a disruptor. Um, culture. So embedding our brands into culture, again, is you know, getting really close to an established community and participating with that community in, in their passion points is also a way of us uh, disrupting. Um, we look at business models, how we enter markets and innovate in disruptive ways. But Lee, Lee's right. I mean, actually, from the Patron business, we've been uh, learning a ton of stuff that because um, we're just you know integrating with Patron right now. And I was over in Dallas with Lee for for two days, where we just spent the whole time talking about their experience on their digital journey. And there's just tons of stuff that they've done that is fantastic that we're actively uh, deploying across the organisation. So, so yeah, I think technology is important, but there's lots of other dimensions. So if I give you a couple of examples of us with culture, just to bring it to life. So on Bacardi, we have a program called Sound of Rum, and that really focuses on a partnership with Major Lazer and Spotify with, in this example, where we were able to raise money for uh, sound studio time in the Caribbean to support Caribbean artists if people downloaded one of the Major Lazer tracks. And as a result of that, uh, that community that we created, we raised uh, 200 hours of studio time, which we were able to then donate for free to the artists to further their careers. And that, that's a great example of us. You know, Bacardi's always been associated with music right from our origins in Cuba. And so it really is a great opportunity for us to, to create a program that was giving back to, to that community and really in a really authentic way. Yeah, that's a great example. And I remember reading and, and digging into that. that. That's very cool. Yeah, and, and then I'll give you another one. So on Bombay Sapphire, we have a program called Stir Creativity, 
which we offer up blank canvases to people to unleash their creativity. We have a firm belief that uh, everybody is born creative, but we learn to suppress our creativity. Uh, and that led to last summer in, in the US, in a number of cities, we took over construction hoardings and uh, gave them up to artists so we can make everybody's world a prettier place and give the artist an opportunity for a blank canvas and able to publicize their work. So again, it's, it's us entering into that cultural uh, vertical and figuring out how can we start to contribute value back to that group and ultimately create content for the brand to talk about his point of view. It's also a fantastic example. And I'm so happy that you shared two examples from a cultural point of view. I mean, clearly, Bacardi is well tapped into the culture it serves on the outside. Can we talk about the culture on the inside for a moment? Yeah. Yeah. So a big part of what we're doing is focusing on the consumer at the heart of our organization. So Uh, We like to say, instead of inviting people to come to our party, we want to join their party. So we want to meet them on their own terms and and interact with them in in the world that they inhabit and also in the communities that they participate in. So whether that be an ephemeral hashtag community or whether that be something more enduring, we're looking to meet them on their terms uh, and add value to their world. Um, It's born out of a belief that, you know, we have to stay close to our consumer. And we have three pillars that we build our culture around, fearless family and founders. Uh, And in the case of family, we see the consumer as an extended part of the Bacardi family. So we want to get to know them. We want to understand how we serve them better. And so that's our kind of approach, really, to to really focus our marketing operations around, uh, in fact, our our whole operations around uh, building for the consumer the the experiences that uh, that we want to create in moments that matter for them. Just so I got that right, was that fearless family and founders? Fearless family and founders, yeah. Oh wow. Okay, cool. I like that. Catchy. So so tell me, John, how did you? You've been there now twenty five years. That's uh, that's pretty substantial. Where did you start, and um, kind of what was your path along the way? I like to tell people I started as a child. <laughs> 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 but I, uh, I literally started on the shop floor in the warehouse. I'm a truck driver. And then I got to enjoy that world for a while. And then I moved into, into sales and then from sales into marketing and then through marketing into global marketing. So I've had a really interesting ride, a really interesting career, lots of different challenges. And part of the benefit of growing up in the business is uh, have a, a good understanding of uh, what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes and what they need and how we can help them to be successful in their role. And so I reason why I'm so driven by developing our people is because that's where I'm from and, uh, and that's what I want to try and give back. That's amazing. I mean, and clearly how hands-on you are is commendable. And so um, hats off to you for that. And this is obviously a passion for you is developing the people. What other passions have you discovered along the way? Because is uh, obviously you have a passion for the people, but you have a big passion for the brands too. Oh, I love uh, I love the brands, and I love going to our distilleries. I love uh, developing new products; it's amazing fun. I, I love creativity. I believe that you think work and feel work, and so I, I just love the opportunity to engage in in building creative work. And a few years ago, I I, I got uh, an amazing opportunity, which was. I was traveling home from work one evening and we were looking for a site for building a new Bombay Sapphire distillery. 
And I literally pulled up the car, jumped over the fence of a, a, an old factory and found an absolutely amazingly beautiful site in Hampshire in England, which was the place where they used to make the money for the Bank of England. And it's got the River Test running through the site, a whole load of Victorian, beautiful Victorian buildings. And so one by one, I took various members of the board and the family to come and have a look at the site. And everybody I took uh, fell in love with it. Uh, and in the end, we built um, the Bombay Sapphire Distillery there. Um, which is lovely to have that as a, a legacy, really, uh, something wow. that uh, I can look back on. But yeah, it was I'll really, have to come really visit. fun. Oh, you have to. I mean, part of the part of the the build was to collaborate with Thomas Heatherwick, and Thomas is somebody who we'd known for for years through the Bombay Sapphire Foundation, and Thomas Heatherwick's probably one of the most influential designers in the world now. Uh, and Thomas did the distillery design with us, and we built these two spectacular. Uh, glass houses that host our botanicals that we use in the making of Bombay Sapphire, one Mediterranean and one tropical glass house. I mean, it literally is the cutting edge of design. We couldn't have built these glass houses two years before because the technology didn't exist to be able to model how to build them. And the, uh, they're stunningly beautiful. So you have these beautiful glass houses dipping into the river in this setting surrounded by Victorian Edwardian industrial buildings built for the Bank of England. I mean, they're, they're really special site in in the heart of the Hampshire countryside. It's an absolutely beautiful place. So, yeah, so come over. We'll be very welcome. I will. I I now have, like, a lot of places to visit, thanks to all my guests, because they always tell me about these wonderful things. I keep threatening Lee, I'm going to show up at the Hacienda. But actually, I could visit it with VR, too, so I could do that. But uh, for London, I always love to go to London. And I'm releasing a podcast today with the CMO of the NFL Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Julian Duncan, who represents outside the U.S., and they are uh, avid players in London. So I'm supposed to go visit them over there one of these days. Oh, come over when you're here. We'll, uh, we'll host I, you. I'm very happy. That to. sounds great. Well, we'll throw together some American footballers and, uh, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, all kinds of things. So it'll be fun. Um, we'll do a cocktail masterclass down at Laverstoke and bring the whole team. I love it. Oh, that'll be so fun. I will let him know for sure. <laughs> so we are almost out of time here, John. And I feel like I haven't dug into your personal passions very much. So tell me what you love to do outside of work. Well, I travel a lot with work. So, and it's lucky because I love travel. But my, I guess my secret passion is uh, I love to write. And so uh, I'm not yet published, but I would love to so I actually write for my own pleasure rather than uh, with the dream to ever get a book deal. But uh, but that's something that I love doing, just uh, making up stories and characters. And uh, yeah, I lose myself in it. It's fantastic. Excellent. So fiction. Fiction. Thrillers. Oh, I was going to. Thrillers. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I have been known to feature other people's blogs on my website. So if you ever have a short story you want to share, it fits into storytelling. So send it on over. Someone's in sales. They want to go into marketing like you did. How did you make that leap? And what advice would you give them? It's a tough thing to do to move from frontline sales into marketing and doing, you know, doing the job from day one. So you have to be prepared for that journey. I totally uh, dived into reading as much marketing textbooks as I could uh, and then quite, quite quickly realized that not a lot of people use a lot of the theory, but if you have the theory in mind, then it makes you a better marketer. But you have to ultimately learn to feel and judge work uh, as 
much as think and judge works. So I'd say that that would be the thing that I would say is the most important. So work out how you react to things and uh, and understand why you react to things and get in touch with the emotional side of yourself when you're when you're reviewing work and you'll you'll uh, you'll become a better judge of work. And then a lot of the, I mean, there's some transferable skills in in coming from a commercial background. So, you know, building relationships uh, with agencies is the same as building relationships with customers. So you need to get on a common agenda and, and and share where you're hoping to get to, and then and then both be successful with your efforts. So, I think there's some transferable skills. But the big advice I would have is be prepared for a tough journey and learn a lot as quickly as you can. And it's interesting that you mentioned that you read the textbooks and the, the theories there, but not always being applied. Was there anything that helped you understand or like maybe a mentor or? A lot of it is the language, really. People speak a different language in marketing. I think people speak a different language in every profession. And you can be blindsided by not really understanding what people are talking about and, and feel like you can't participate in the conversation. So learning the language helps and learning to learn the language properly helps even more. And uh, yeah, so that that was for me the, the main thing. I mean, I was blessed with a mentor at the time who gave me the space to learn, both when I moved from, from operations into sales and when I moved from sales into marketing. I was given support and space. I mean, you have to learn quick, but you know, you're given the encouragement and support you need to make that transition. Uh, and so for me, that, that was probably the, the best gift that I was ever given and, and something I'm eternally grateful for. Oh, that's very good advice. Well, okay. So I have one last question for you. I always end every podcast with, if you weren't doing what you're doing today, you're not the CMO, you're not the president. And I'm going to take writing away from you because that's the answer I think you would have given me. <laughs> that's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, right, right. Now I'm, I've really got you. And money and talent were no object. What would you be doing? This is going to sound quite worthy, but I had a choice before I joined Bacardi, which was a serious choice about going into charity or, or going into liquor. And I chose liquor. So I think <laughs> I'd probably reconnect with that journey and uh, I'd try and give a bit back and, uh, and work for charity and, and see how I can fulfill some of my you know, other interests about making the world a better place. I love it. Uh, and noble cause. And possibly you could consider becoming... Teacher, it sounds like you're very good at that. Uh, oh, so, I'd love that. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. That's Thank a you. good way to get back, yeah. to share all yeah. your amazing knowledge. So yeah. I'm very excited for you uh, for a week from today when we release this podcast to see what happens on February 7th. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. Absolutely. See you on Instagram. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 